When football coach Matthew Lamont first laid eyes on the Tamil Pius High School varsity football team, he was concerned. They were scrappy, inexperienced, and out of shape. But through the course of the season, Coach Lamont used a series of winning strategies that transformed the team and led them to their most winning season in 112 years. In this riveting conversation with Coach Lamont, learn ways to bring out the potential in people, encourage personal ownership, and hold people accountable, and learn why emotional vulnerability is just as valuable as physical strength. Whether you are a leader of an organization, a manager of people, or even a parent, this episode will give you powerful strategies for cultivating resilience, focus, ownership, and connection in your team or family. Now let's take a listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Inside Journey. I am so excited about our guest. We are so excited about our guest today, an incredible, incredible coach, Coach Matt Lamont. And he happens to be my son, Chuck Byers, coach at Tamalpais High School. He's the head coach of the football team. And you're thinking, okay, a, a, a football coach on this podcast that is a lot about, you know, leadership and executives and the inside journey about people who've been filmmakers or artists. And I'm like, there is no way we can have this podcast without this coach. He is the most amazing man. And when I was interviewing my son, Chuck, about you, coach, these are the words he said. Best coach I've ever had. He uses tough love, but he cares about everyone so much. He really wants to help all the kids that are struggling at home. He's super funny. And he's just like, could go on and on and on. And a little bit about you. You grew up in the Bay Area. Your grandfather played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Your father played for Cal. You grew up playing football. You played college football at San Diego State. And now you're the head coach at Tam High, as well as an amazing teacher, economics, social studies. I could go on and on. So we are so excited to really go deep with you about what it means to coach well, what your philosophy is, how you bring out the potential in people, and what you've seen in your journey as a coach around high-performing teams, what makes a team really, really get to the next level. Because Johanna, you also mentioned to me that Coach Lamont, your track record at at TAM, is you're coaching the winningest team in a hundred years? I am. And it's, it's especially, you know, pinnacle of last year it was the first time we've ever hosted a high school football playoff game in the history of the school. And the school has been around for quite some time, um, 112 years to be exact, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. I got lucky, I think. Oh my gosh. That is, yeah, it's all luck. I'm sure. I'm sure it's all luck. Well, you know, we're so excited to have you here because as Johanna mentioned, you know, we're executive coaches. We work with a lot of leaders in corporate America to help them, you know, to, to lead and inspire their teams and create resilience and focus and engagement in their organizations and to be the you know best coaches and leaders that they can be. And so we're so excited to hear from you, like, what does it take to create a winning team and how do you coach and lead and all of that? But before we get into that, we just would love to start with, you know, what got you into, like, have you always wanted to be a football coach or how did you arrive at, at it? Growing up playing football and being by my grandfather that played for the Eagles and then almost played for the 49ers before he went and became a lawyer. So, so I have the roots here too, as well. And my dad that played at Cal and he played rugby over in New Zealand. So all the 
all the times. I watched football as a little kid. I was surrounded by grown adult men that played. And I was surrounded by two of the greatest coaches I've ever met in Mike White and the, the late John Ralston, who both coached at Stanford and at Cal. So when I watch football, even, even now when I watch football, I don't watch football like a normal person, which is like both good and bad. I can't be like just entertained by like, oh, look how awesome that is. I'm like, oh, but why are they doing this? And even just looking at the interactions between players a lot of the time. So, so that's kind of, I think, started when I was a little kid. I was like three or four watching football games like that. And they never let me just watch the game. They'd always be like, oh, so this is why they did that. And I'm like, okay, I'm four years old. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but I would smile and go, huh? And then after I was done playing, I was just substitute teaching back up here in Richmond, moving back from San Diego. And the football coach at Hercules High School, one of the greatest men I've ever met in my entire life, he's like, oh, you should come try coaching. And I, the first day I was coaching, I was in a full-blown suit. He's like, just go out there and do it. I was like, the loafers on and the whole thing. And it's just the first day I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. It was almost like a random something built up and then out of nowhere, it just kind of came at me. Um, I was content just going to become a teacher and helping young people figure out what they want to do and just kind of fell into it almost. Wow. So you knew, you knew that first day that this was, it was your calling. This was a passion for you. Almost instantly. And like I said, I got really lucky. The individual that was running Hercules High School football team that's now coaching back there again, the first day I was out there, he just let me go because I was all cleared. So he's just like, okay, go coach them. And didn't come tell me anything, just kind of like, let me do it. And so I was like free to just literally try it. Right. It was like trial and error out the gate, see if all the stuff that I learned worked, what was resonating with these young kids. And I was 23. Like I was, I was a kid. Right. So they were, some most of them were 18. They're, they're five years younger than me. So I'm like, I know the stuff you guys are talking about and I can, I can play this game. And it was, it was instantly, I think with that freedom, I, it just kind of rolled up and I was like, all right, here we go. I'm, I'm about this. Wow. What was your philosophy? If he just said, okay, you have free reign on the football field, just go for it. How did, were you like the tough love type then? Were you, what philosophy did you have then? And, and is it the same one that you use today? So I'll say uh, growing up, my, my grandfather was in the army, fought in, in Vietnam. So I was, as like a young kid, that's how I was taught, right? Like you, you get up at 5am, you make your bed, you eat square meals. Like if I didn't have this, squ- I was like, I would get hit. I couldn't have pancakes till I ate my cream of wheat, like the whole nine. But my dad went to Cal Berkeley in the 70s. So he was full on hippie, right? The whole thing. So I had like the dichotomy of my dad being like, hey, let's talk about how you feel about certain things. And my grandpa being like, hey, we got we to gotta do our pushups. We got to do this. Then we'll go work. Then we'll be done at like four. And then we can watch football, right? And talk about our feelings. <laughs> yeah. And then wow. they then let me go with my dad and I talk about my feelings. And my, my grandfather was like, we're just going to get everything done. So I took that. And when I went to start coaching, I, I realized like people make it sound like discipline's forcing people to do the right things, but discipline's like something in yourself, right? Like I have discipline to do things and that's the reward in and of itself. So I was like, I could teach a bunch of young kids from Richmond and San Pablo and Hercules. Like discipline isn't me telling you what to do. It's you wanting to do the right thing. But at the same time, having a couple of jokes and, and playing the game with them and talking about how they feel it, it, it just kind of worked. And it was just sort of my personality running into it. I didn't even think about the philosophy of it till two years later when I was like, okay, I actually need to like 
think of words and how I want to do this and really write it down and think about it. Right. Wow. That is so interesting. Cause Kim and I talk about that all the time. Like you can have compassion and really hold people to like really high levels at the same time. Cause a lot of people think in companies, you either meet your numbers and you're, you're firm about it or you're nice and you don't get anything done. Like it's this either or what, how do you make kids, how do you bring out that discipline in them and make them want it for themselves? I'm so curious what your strategy is around that. It's super dope because I was just, and this is going to sound funny, uh, my weird 15-minute break, I was gardening out in my front yard, um, and I was thinking about this, right? I was like, okay, because I know you guys are, are super crazy and dope, and you're doing all these executive <laughs> coaching things, and I'm like, that's, like, I am just a high school football coach. Like, what am I going to say, right? <laughs> and there's these executives listening that are just significantly smarter than me, and I'm okay with that, and, like, we're moving on with it. But really, like, we're doing this, the same thing. Because you all have to meet your numbers and that kind of thing, but there's no like trophy, right? Like you can make all the money in the world. You don't get a trophy for it, right? And, and my goal, yes, I want to win games, but I, I'm not doing it for the trophy. I'm doing it for a bunch of kids, right? Yeah. Like I want them to be better and move on and do all these things. Just like in a company, you want your company to keep growing and move on, do better things, right? Like there's instantly going in my brain. And I think it comes down to teaching kids like if – anyone really, if I'm accountable to myself, right, especially as part of a team, if I'm accountable to myself and the person next to me also believes they're accountable to themselves, so on and so forth, and we'll all hold ourselves accountable, no one has to hold all of us accountable as a group, right? Because we're all holding ourselves accountable and we're meeting that standard. And if I do a little better today, then the other individual is going to have to try to meet me there. And then we're just kind of playing this game of keep stepping up without anyone lording over us saying like, ah, we need to get here, 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 here. We just know this is the standard and we just need to climb a little bit up every day. And it's so much more empowering than having somebody breathing over your neck and trying to hold you accountable to those things. I'm so curious because again, not only with clients, but also a lot of people that listen to our podcast are parents. I've got my parenting hat on and I'm thinking, can you get really tactical for a minute and talk about like, what are a couple of things you do so that people have that discipline for themselves? You know, like, is it setting a clear goal or I don't know, what, what are the actions that people can take? Yeah. So like the quick tactical piece, and I just read this long book and I, I can't remember the guy's name. And it's literally the book's called No Bullshit Leadership, right? Because Love it. There's a lot of times where people are like, let's talk about all the stuff we're going to do and take no action and actually getting it done. But there is an important part, especially with young people or with younger people, even myself, you know, being 29, like I'm still a young person trying to figure this out, that you have to write stuff down. I have to think about it and write it down and talk to each other. So we just spent last week, two weeks ago, all three of our days, I took 30 minutes out of practice with with a bunch of guys. We just sat down with a a little white note card, old school, De La Salle kind of thing. Hey, look, you're going to write down a goal for for yourself, a goal for your teammates, and a goal you have outside of football, right? You're going to write them down. There's three. Let's get them in. And then you're going to go hand it to someone else. And we're all going to just trade these cards. And then every day it's not, hey, did you reach your goal? Because it's a, it's a progress, right? It's not about getting the product, right? It's all this process. It's, I tell the guys every day, I go for the first five minutes, I need you to go find someone else and ask them what they did today to try to get closer to reaching their goal, right? And so then if someone's like, oh, I didn't do anything. Well, now you have all practice to do something, right? Oh. I didn't do anything today. But this is, this is before we stretch. So now you have all the whole two hours of practice to get it done, right? And so now these people are almost like, I'm holding you accountable, but in reality, I'm just asking you a question. Hey, what'd you do today, right? 
Yeah. And then kids are like, oh, what did I do today? Right. If I ask you and you ask me and I, you, when you ask me, I say, yeah, I did this, this, and this. Then I ask you and you go, I didn't do anything. Now you feel like, like I got to do something or I'm falling behind. Right. It's like this intrinsic cycle that we kind of create. And that's just one of the basic ones. But I think, especially with high school kids, there's a lot of people and I I love my colleagues and, and the whole like, but there's a lot of people that tell them what to do instead of like ask them what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just getting to know some people, like even with us three, like if you guys needed me to do something, if you got to know me, I'd be seven times more likely to do it. Right. Whereas if you're just like, Hey, go do this. I'm the kind of guy that's going to go do it anyways, but I'm going to be less likely to be excited while I'm doing it yeah. because I don't have any connection to you. So the oh more, my God. It, and then the more I can get them kind of feed it, feedback looping off each other. Now we're like in the clear where I can just stand and watch. I'm yes. having like massive I, <laughs> light bulb moments it. right now. Cause the first thing I'm hearing so strongly from you is this isn't about you telling them you are connecting them to each other very intimately, right? Very much sharing their goals and then holding each other accountable. So you just sit back and watch almost, right? Right. Oh my God. So like in our teams, Kim, we're oftentimes coaching the leader on how to manage, but if they're all rising with each other and they're all asking each other every day, hey, how are you doing with this? I'm doing this and like connecting them to the success, then you're a thousand times more productive. And then also getting to know each other. You're so much more likely to do something for someone if you know them. So take the time to get to know the people you work with, ask them questions, get, get deeper. Absolutely. And it sounds like you're saying, Coach Lamont, that it's not about telling someone what to do, but you're actually pulling it out of them by asking them questions. Yeah. And and which one of us doesn't like some competition? So if I'm creating right. fake competition in our goals, even though we have right. different goals. Oh, now, say more, say more. We're all fired up about it, right? So my goal is not diametrically opposed to yours. We both want to win. And in order to get there, I need to be better at tackling. And then other kids like, well, I need to get stronger, right? They're, I'm not fighting against you to complete that goal. Right. We're going towards the same thing. But if I say, hey, I worked on my you know, footwork for my tackling before practice. And other kids like, oh man, I didn't even do push-ups today. Now it we're competitive, it. but we're not competitive like old school, I'm up against you, right? Competitive in like the 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 ancient Greek where like we're working to get better together, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really my thing is like, especially young men love being competitive, right? So they're like all about it. Oh, what I do, what you do. And you just hear them doing this little chirping before, you know, in stretching lines and stuff. Like, man, I can just sit here and listen and and joke with you, right? You know, I was telling Kim, coach, about the banquets at the end of the year. And I sit there and I'm like, literally, like, I cannot believe what you're saying to these boys. It's so golden. It's so precious. It's so everything I'd want them to hear. And, you know, one of the core tenets you talk about a lot in the banquets is you got to own your role. You got to own it. You got to take responsibility for it. And you cannot blame other people for it. Can you talk a little bit about this? main message you I feel like you really get through to the boys with this yeah so there's two huge things that that I use every year and one of them I realized later was like a like a religious thing that's not how I use it right we use the the term hold the rope because you know mountain climbing if I'm climbing the mountain and I'm belaying an individual and I let go the other individual dies right or if we're climbing a mountain and there's no safety harness and I'm holding on I let go people are underneath me I'm going to kill all my teammates, right? And it makes it sound way more drastic than it is. But in terms of a game, if I don't do my piece, 
everyone falls off, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't take the bag out that I'm supposed to take out, now practice is all screwy, right? If I don't get my homework done, I can't help someone else or I don't get the right grade, right? If I don't unload the dishwasher, now my mom has to do it, right? Like everything's connected. And mm. so far as if I let go, other people are going to have to either catch up the slack or they're going to let go, right? Because we're all part of this team. Um, and I kind of just pieced that together myself, you know, doing some mountain climbing before I started coaching. Um, but the other one that I that hammer on is a, a Urban Meyer, you know, famous college football coach talked about no BCD, right? Blame, complain, defend. And we hammer that on kids all the time. And I, I hammer it on myself. I have it written on my wall in my room. I tell my, my little brothers and my little sister about it all the time. I don't get anything by blaming anyone but myself, complaining about things, or trying to defend my action when it's obviously wrong, right? Like, there's nothing I gain from that, Right. And if you can show everyone else, and I do it through my actions, right? I'll yell at a ref. I'm, I'm horrendous at it. I'm getting better, but I, I tear into them. And then I tell kids, I'm like, that was wrong for me to do. I'm not like, hey, they screwed up. It's on them. No, 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 no. I'm like, no, no, no. That's my bad because I'm not getting anything out of that. You're taking right? ownership. Yeah. I'm like, hey, this, it's, it's on me, right? I shouldn't be yelling at him at all, right? And, and he's doing his job and I should do my job instead of trying to correct his job. Right. Right. You can take that everywhere. I can blame a teacher. Well, she's not fair. And that's how she graded me. Yeah. Well, you also probably could have studied harder and done better. Right. That's right. All these little things that, yes, you may be right. Maybe she isn't fair. Maybe that thing isn't fair. Maybe the other company has more money. Maybe the other team has better players. There's none of that I can control. I can control how I'm acting. So if I stop blaming other people or complaining or defending and I just go, hey, these are the things I need to get done and I need to do them better next time, then, then it's going to be money, right? Like we're just all going to be set because those are the things that ev- once one starts doing it, then yeah. everyone starts doing it, right? And then it starts crumbling into nothing and we're just complaining to each other, which doesn't help anything. Right. It's so true. Like energy is so contagious or behaviors are so contagious. So I would imagine that for better or worse, you have that ripple effect when a couple people start either taking more ownership and taking more responsibility then that probably do you see it rubs off on the other teammates yeah i mean and it and it starts with me and my other coaches i even had to sit down with you know some of the older guys i have a guy that's coached and went to school at tam for a long time i had to sit down with them when i first got there and go hey like we it starts with us like yep. if i do, if i do it i have to own up to it right away so kids know like hey if he's if he's willing to say he did it wrong and then they see me do it right the next time and it works out better for us, yeah. they're all going to start doing it, right? And then if one of them starts complaining and blaming and doing all these things and they see how it doesn't work out and they can go help correct them without, you know, hey, don't do that, but more like, hey, you see how that's kind of this terrible thing? It does. It becomes infectious. And every time it happens, kids will start calling other people out, right? Right. Calling me out and I get flustered and I go, oh, and I'm like, oh no, you're right. Like I did do it and I shouldn't. It's actually your dream come true that a kid is calling you out on a behavior you you hold so true to yourself. And I always say Kit to Kim and I, this job of being a coach holds you makes you so have such integrity in your life because you don't dare tell a client anything you wouldn't do in your own life. Same thing with you, right? You have to be what you tell these kids to be. And if you falter, it's just it's not gonna have the impact. Kim, what's your, what's your quote? You always say people are always watching. 
We say people are great leader watchers. They're always watching you, the leader, right? The coach, the head of the team, whatever kind of team it is, and they're taking their cues from you. And so, you know, if you say all this stuff, but you're acting a different way that's counter to that, they pay so much more attention to your actions than just your words. With the mask, it's like you can say wear a mask till you're blue in the face, but if you take it off prematurely or don't wear one, they're going to follow suit. And it happens so quickly, right? It's not like they're going to follow suit two weeks later and go, oh, you remember that time? It's going to be within two minutes. They're going to, okay, we don't have to do that. Cool. I'm done. Right. Okay. I don't have to do that. I'm done. I have a question. So after you had your winningest season ever in Tam High's history, what surprised you the most about that season? Looking back on it, just like what was surprising? What was inspiring to you? Like, what's the memory you have from that? (sighs) There's a lot. If you want like the big picture, we had the scrappiest and I hate to say it out loud, most unathletic group of human beings to ever oh. win any games, that I was just like, man, like the start of the season, I was like, this is going to go one of two ways, and it's going to go really quick. And the first game kind of went and came, and I was like, all right, we're, we're, in, we're in a good spot. But I think the biggest thing is, like I said before, I took – and it wasn't all of them. It was most of them. We took them all up to Tahoe, had a little football camp and a little retreat thing. And the kids thought we were just going up there to play football, right? They didn't know what else was going to happen. They thought we were just, we're all going to go play football for a couple of days, long days of football, go to sleep, hang out. And I, that's not me at all. So I'd get them up, you know, like four in the morning. We'd all get up at four in the morning and go run for a while. And I'd run with them, which back then I was horrendously out of shape. And then they'd go, we'd do football stuff all day. It's noon and they're watching film in a warm room because it's summer. So they're all falling asleep. And I go, hey, if you're going to fall asleep, you got to stand up. I mean, I'm, I'm hammering them. It's like, I look back on it and I go, that's terrible. Like I was just like putting them through the ringer and then it'd be seven o'clock. We'd be done. Right. And they thought, okay, we're done. That's it. And we'd all go to our little houses that we rented and the coaches had like a script of things that we were going to talk about. And so we'd sit down with all these teenagers that are just exhausted, all their guards down. And we're going to have these conversations about like, Hey, what's a time where you felt, you know, super insufficient, like everything didn't work out and you didn't feel like you met up to some standard. And there's kids, you know, during the cabin thing, I was just with my group. I had kids crying. I was telling them stories about, you know, when I felt that way and this is how oh, I got it. Wow. And then at the end of the week, we're all sitting on a beach on a Thursday. I went and bought them all pizza, you know, and we sit there eating pizza. We had parents that wrote on these t-shirts and gave them to these kids. And then I had these kids, a group for a group of 40 teenage boys crying on a beach about, you know, my mom's going through this and I have to help her and they would never say it to anyone else. So all that happens. I'm like, we're, this is going to be great. And then you're in the middle of the season and kids start to kind of forget that. Right. Cause it's been a while. And all it takes is me going, Hey guys, remember getting up at four in the morning and being awake till midnight. And then kids go, Oh yeah. I only slept for four hours. Like, I can trust this guy with that deep, dark secret that I had. Why can't we go play this football game and beat these people? It's not going to be, that's not hard, right? Me sharing my feelings with some other human when I've never done it before is impossible. And I did that. Wow. Football is nothing, right? I can go do this any day of the week. And it it made me feel good, right? When I could tell kids this stuff and then I can trust them because I trust them with that. I can trust them with anything. Hey, can you go you know, run this play. I'm not like, oh, they're going to screw it up. I'm so like, it was really, it wasn't all the running and yes, all the running and tackling and all that, all crazy physical stuff you did, but it was really the vulnerability that you took these boys through the opening, the sharing, the revealing. That was the, the, the secret sauce 
for this team. And Kim, doesn't that blow your mind? Because that's what we love yeah. to do with teams. We love oh. to get them out of the office. Yeah. We love to have them do crazy things. Really sharing. Absolutely. And what's so interesting is because we we eat this stuff up, but for so many people who think, okay, why would sitting on a beach crying about your mom or a time you were insufficient, how is that going to make you a better football player? But you kind of just answered that question, coach, right? When you said it, first of all, it built an incredible amount of trust. And secondly, you said, if they can do that, then of course they can go out there and play football. Can you talk more about, for those people who are cynical and think, how does that enhance your football game? You know, in your own words, what would you say about that? I mean, outside of the football thing, like even teaching high school kids and and being a young adult, and I have four siblings, right? Like there's a lot of us that exist. I can look at any one of them, any of the kids that I teach, any of the kids that I coach. The second that I can like be vulnerable, then everywhere else that I am, I'm not sitting around tensed up, like trying to think about, well, what if this person thinks about this and this? Because I've already shared all the stuff that I'm worried about, right? Oh, maybe I have lied about this thing for so long and now someone knows and it's kind of off of me. So I feel more free to kind of, you know, roll with what's going on in the day. Oh, there's this problem. It's not going to crush me, right? I'm going to be able to deal with it because I've released some of that weight, right? There's no shame. You've freed yourself from that. There's nothing. And, you know, just all the psychology reading I was doing before the Zoom stuff happened, all this, especially like young men and even men my age, like they don't want to share things, right? Like they don't want to share any of that. They're like, no, that's weak, right? It's a weak thing for me to do is to, to share my feelings, whatever weird stigma exists. And all I can say is, unless you've tried it, you have no idea how much less weak it makes you, right? Like oh, I can go yeah. talk to my 17 year old brother about, you know, how it feels when you don't feel smart in math class. And he can't say that to anyone else. Now, when he's in math class, he has no worry about asking for oh, help, right? Right? Like he's like, and if, and if he can't, because in class he's still worried, he can ask me or he can ask my other brother, right? Because we're okay doing this. And these kids can do the same thing with me when they get to that point where, hey, I can share all this stuff. The second something's weighing me down, I can just go tell coach or I can go tell, you know, my buddy that plays this position or the guy right next to me. And then we start kind of just flowing and everyone's way more free. So when I start yelling at you for your inevitable screw up that all of us have, you're not, oh, right? You're right. okay. Okay. It can roll off and I can get better to it. I know he's trying to tell me what to do. And that's just how he communicates because we've had these conversations. Yeah. You're so open and you're also probably so much more willing to take risks and try different things. And you're more creative because you're, you have nothing to hide. You're emotionally yeah. strong. Like I think there's there's two different types of strength, right? There's the muscular strength you get from physical fitness and lifting weights and all the running. And then there's emotional strength, which is even more powerful. Trusting, opening up, letting go of shame, the weight of certain secrets, all of that combined together, no wonder you want had the winningest team. Like this is the secret sauce. And for leaders out there or people in business, listen up. This is it's 50% of the success. You can do all the data. You can get people with Excel spreadsheet skills. You can get all of that. But if you don't create a vulnerable, open team, you are operating with one hand behind your back. Yeah. And even now, just to highlight that point, I have kids that are coming back and trying to help me coach that are just starting college, right? Like they can't go to school and they're trying to come help because they know what we're trying to do. And some of these young kids don't. So now I'm just doubling down on how effective I can be because I can trust them to go get it done, right? 
there are more people that I can trust. And it just spins that culture, right? I don't have to worry about it as much. And they're teaching the next group of kids who's going to teach the next group of kids. And then I just get to kind of sit there and turn them around. That is fantastic. I mean, isn't that everybody's right? Ideal scenario, whether you're a leader of any kind of team. Do you see why I wanted to have this amazing man on? Like the, the thing he's doing, he's cascading culture. Yeah, he's cascading core values. He's cascading the belief you can be a man and and, and open up and be physically strong at the same time, like all of this stuff together. What words would you describe, coach? What, What words would you use to describe what makes a champion? How would you define that? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, the, the one that comes first and foremost is discipline, mm-hmm. not in so far as like the discipline we think of, right? Like when you think of a chip, when, when you say champion, I think of Rocky because it's just like, that's what I grew up watching Rocky Baba, right? And like, okay, I'm going to go run around and do push ups. But even if you look at Rocky, like in the movie Rocky, like he's emotionally vulnerable with Adrian, right? Like that's the game where he ends up like becoming so much better, but it's because he's disciplined enough to do all those other things. No one has to tell him to do it, right? He just gets it done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's number one thing, whether it's a group or an individual, right? If I can create my own daily discipline habits, then I'm going to be more effective going forward. And there's less of the, uh, I don't have to make as many choices. And people think that makes it like less freeing, But in reality, it means I have more mental power to make the choices that matter when I know at every day at 3.30, I wake up and I go lift and it's like, oh, it's terrible, whatever. It's not. I'm like, I get this done. There's no thought to it. It just happens every day like clockwork. You know, I make the same breakfast. I do the same thing. All that's done. So then when it comes time to like teach a class and some kids feeling off, I'm like, I have all the brain power to make that decision and help that individual because all of my discipline habits leading up to it took no power from me. I just right. got them done, right? So it's like knowing exactly what you need to do, maybe having a bit of a routine. And so that way it kind of takes the legwork out of having to think about it. You just know what you need to do and then you just do it. And action is medicine, right? So many people are like, I want to change. Well, the little tiny things every day add up. So if you want to, yeah. if you want to start working out, get your shoes on in the morning and put your workout clothes on your, you know, like it's not brain step. science. It's like right. the little things every day add up to a successful life. Right. And I just, I always go back to, and, and you probably know because of good old Kurt, my favorite human on the planet, right? <laughs> Military wise, like you're sure it restricts your freedom, but like mm-hmm. as a kid, like that's what I was taught. Like you're going to have this for breakfast and you can have this, right? We're going to do our pushups. Like all of that made it easier for me then at three o'clock when all my school was done to go, Oh, now I can do whatever I want. Right. Like I'm free to kind of do yes. this. You right? get to and reward I'm, yourself. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I'm not taking away any of the goals I have. Cause I already got all the things. Yes. Done. Yes. And, right. and my dad used to always tell me if you wake up early enough and you get everything done, guess what? You can take a nap. <laughs> but if you wake up late and you don't get everything done, there's no extra time, right? Like right. you've already lost it all. Yeah. So the discipline leads to that. And then, I mean, other than discipline, I just, I, I'll pound on the emotional vulnerability. Like, to be honest with you, if I walk outside and go walk down the street and go to any random coffee shop, I have no problem telling random human number one, what's bothering me right then. If it's zero issue, oh. well, what are they going to do? Laugh yeah. at me? Oh, big deal, right? Like, I don't even know them, right? Uh-huh. I have no problem going and telling my mother, hey, mom, I, I really, you know, I think this, this, and this. And what's she going to, she might get upset at me for telling her that. 
but we're going to work it out. I have no problem telling my dad who used to, you know, is grown military didn't a hippie, but still like, doesn't want to have these big conversations. No problem going, dad, you know what? I love you. Right. And he'll go, mm, I don't know how I feel about that word. Right? Or <laughs> right. give me a hug when I was 21 and him never hugging me before in my life. And I'm like, dude, it's okay. Like we can all just be free and easy or telling my 17 year old brother, Oh, do you like that girl over there? And not in like a joking way. Like, let's go, let's talk about how you'd have a conversation with her instead of picking on him and going, Oh, that's what, you know what I mean? That's teasing like, him or like, let's, let's just be open about it. And everything ends up being so much easier. And I don't think people realize it. Like it just becomes the load becomes so much lighter where I'm just like, it's all good. It takes so much energy to put up a facade or to be careful with your, right. It, it's like, yeah, like you're saying, it's freeing when you can just be yourself. And you know what the bottom line is, is no matter how bad you think you are or what you did or what your circumstances are guaranteed. Once you put it out there, it's not as bad as you think. And probably a lot of people around you have said, Oh, I've gone through the same thing. Yeah. You, it, you take it out of the closet and it just diminishes its power. So coach, we, we thought we'd try something we've never tried in our podcast before, but it's kind of like a little speed round of questions. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. And you ready? <laughs> You're yeah, fired up. Do you want me to just take it? Yeah. You want to take the first two? I'll take the second two. Okay, perfect. Okay. So Coach Lamont, who is your hero? My father. What makes you cry? Rudy, every time, 100%, I'll cry at Rudy. And then Brian's song, uh, Gail Sayers Just Died. It's a great movie. It was made for TV. It makes me cry every time. And then dogs, like not dogs doing cute things, but any sad thing that happens with a dog or a dog doing some heroic thing, every single time without fail, I'll fall apart. My gosh, I love it. What gives you hope? Young people. Young people that I coach and teach every day. Some of them are average humans, if we're being honest. Most of them are just just blow me away. That I'm like, I get to do this every single day. And you all are crazy good at stuff. That when I was 16, 17, 18, I was busy trying to figure out how I was going to get to school. And you guys are busy figuring out how you're going to get to the moon. Like, That's done. Amazing. And last question, what the world needs now is? Uh, emotional vulnerability, right? Yeah. More than anything, and I won't get into the politics of the whole thing, and I don't need to do all that, but even just random people on the street, when I smile at you from 12 feet away because I'm not wearing my mask on my run unless I run real close to someone, smile back. Ask me what's going on. When I say how you doing, don't lie and say good if you're not doing good. Let's have a conversation about it. I don't care if you're a random person. Let's go. We can all get better together if we're all just a little more vulnerable. Thank you, Thank Coach. You. Thank you so much for your wisdom, for your shares, for your, for all that you gave to us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. I get Now I'm fired up. I was getting a little tired after Zoom all day. <laughs> God, I got three more I got to do, right? And so I'm stoked. I'm like, oh, go run a lap before I do the next one. I'm ready to go. Let's rock and roll. I feel so I I feel revved up too. Me too. Thank <laughs> right. you again. See you later. Bye. Bye. That's all for now. If you are inspired by this podcast, hop on over to InsideJourney.com for more episodes and to learn about our work with leaders and teams. And make sure to subscribe to InsideJourney.com so you never miss an episode. As Brene Brown wisely said, when we deny our stories, they define us. When we own our stories, we get to write a brave new ending. We couldn't agree more. Own your story, love your story, share your story. You never know who it can inspire.
Thanks for tuning in. Can't wait for more juicy conversations with you next month.